So uh, with that said, uh, we're moving in uh, to our second week of the series we're doing called uh, Turning Points. And uh, I'm enjoying uh, looking at this series. I think last week we were off to a good start. And uh, today we want to look at uh, how sometimes God would work in our lives in simple ways. Uh, you know, where it's not like super complicated. It, it can be sometimes simple. But simple, I don't mean like a simpleton. I mean simple like in it's very easy to grasp. And yet God is really, really profound in those moments. And uh, I don't know what your personal experience has been with God. But for most of us, we can look back on our lives and we say, you know, there were a few moments that were really just pivotal. Uh, and they were faith building. And uh, often they're not that complicated. God would be doing something that's really profound uh, in a simple way, or seemingly simple way. So uh, what I want to try and get out of, want you to get out of this sermon uh, is the sense that, you know, in some ways, uh, God can be very complicated. But what I want you to get out of the sermon today really is the simple ways that God works in our lives. So Jesus, I, I just ask that you'd empower my words. Lord, as we uh, read your word together, that for each one of us sitting here, you would speak to us uh, and you would encourage us. Lord, uh, again, just with our faith to, to be like a child and have childlike faith in the sense that it's powerful. And Lord, we just ask for you to move and uh, to move in our life situations. So Jesus, we just give you this. We lift it up to you. In, in your name, Jesus. Amen. So uh, if you've got a Bible and you want to follow along uh, on your phone or hard copy, I'm reading from the New Living Translation. And I'm looking at Luke, uh, Luke chapter 5. And this is the story of Jesus calling Peter or Simon, Simon Peter. And uh, I, I want you to... Um, connect with this story. So let me read it to you. One day, as Jesus was preaching on the shore of the Sea of Galilee, great crowds pressed in to listen to the word of God. He noticed two empty boats at the water's edge, for the fishermen had left them and were washing their nets. Stepping into one of the boats, Jesus asked Simon, its owner, to push it out into the water. So he sat in the boat and taught the crowds from there. When he had finished speaking, he said to Simon, Now go out where it is deeper and let down your nets to catch some fish. Master, Simon replied, We worked hard all last night and didn't catch a thing. But if you say so, I'll let the nets down again. And this time, their nets were so full of fish, they began to tear. A shout for help brought their partners in the other boat, and soon both boats were filled with fish and on the verge of sinking. When Simon Peter realized what had happened, he fell to his knees before Jesus and said, O oh Lord, please leave me. I, I'm too much of a sinner to be around you. For he was awestruck 
by the number of fish they had caught, as were the others with him. His partners, James and John, the sons of Zebedee, were also amazed. Jesus replied to Simon, Don't be afraid. From now on, you'll be fishing for people. And as soon as they landed, they left everything and followed Jesus. To say that this was a turning point for Simon, we know him better as Peter, uh, is an understatement. I mean, here the guy is just a fisherman, and uh, he has this encounter with Jesus in what, in some ways, a very ordinary kind of a thing. Uh, it's not complicated. It's pretty simple. Now, we read the story, and again, you know, we're not fishermen. So it doesn't hit us quite as profoundly as what it would have hit Peter. But in a similar way, when God speaks to you or does something in your life like you did with Steve, you know, the retelling isn't as powerful as the personal uh, connection that God has when he does something profound in our lives. But think of the sim simplicity of this and yet the powerfulness of this. Uh, Peter is an expert fisherman. He's getting advice from a religious teacher. I mean, that's the wrong person. And then the religious teacher gives him the wrong advice. He tells him to go and fish during the day. When any good fisherman knows, you don't fish during the day, you fish during the night. But as this good fisherman knows, they didn't catch anything. The other third bad piece of advice, not only the wrong person, not in the wrong uh, time, but also the wrong place. You don't go into the deep water in that particular region to catch fish. You catch them in the shallow water where Jesus was in the boat. So, you know, like everything's wrong with this equation. And Peter knows it. Uh, but there's something happening in Peter's life which is the awesome thing if we will lend an ear to what God is doing in our lives. And that is, you know, he said yes. He didn't get into an argument with Jesus. He didn't give him a whole bunch of like reasons like why this wouldn't work. He didn't uh, discuss fishing. He just said, okay, uh, Master, if, if this is what you say, then I am going to do it. You see, that's childlike faith. It's not childish faith. It's childlike. It's just like, okay. And then the outcome is incredible. I mean, everybody sees the outcome. And so this becomes a huge turning point. I mean, so much so that Peter, the language changes. You know, the first thing, master, yes, if you say so. And then it's Lord. You know, I'm not worthy to be around you. I mean, there's something which happens when, when Jesus goes from being, you know, somebody you've read about or heard about in the Bible, and it's like, you know, a, a bunch of good information, a nice way of living, good for other people, you know, nice, nice moral people or whatever. Uh, there, there's, a, there's a transformation that happens when Jesus gets personal with you and with me. And, and he goes from being, you know, this wonderful teacher to being Lord. It's like, Wait a bit, Jesus is in a whole other category. You know, he just like knows me better than I know me. He knows my circumstances and my trade and my profession and my family way better than I know it and better than I can figure it out. I mean, that's when you have this aha moment. This, this, this is the Lord uh, that's, that's speaking and that's making things happen and that's uh, doing things in our lives. 
Now, one of the interesting thing, th things that Peter doesn't do that I would say many American businessmen would do uh, would be this. It's like, hey, I've just figured out the secret of how I can get rich. If I just go fishing with Jesus, you know, I could catch a lot of fish. So, hey, here's the formula. I just pray, Jesus, help me to be successful, help me to go fish, and then I just make a lot of fish. Uh, you know, I catch a lot of fish, and I get rich, and, and that's just an awesome thing. And, and so, like, let me just get Jesus on my side. I found the formula. The, the problem with that thinking, it's not like Jesus doesn't want to bless you. It's not like he's not into your business. The problem with that thinking is very simple. It's about you. And it's about how Jesus can serve you and your business. Now, don't misunderstand me. It's not like Jesus doesn't want to bless your business. But he wants to be Lord. He doesn't want to be your servant. There's a huge difference. Now, when we get the idea that we're his servant, oh, everything changes. Uh, then it's not a question of, okay, I only understand Jesus if I'm being blessed. It's like, I'm his servant whether he blesses me or whether I work like really hard. Uh, the blessing comes with the connection, with the relationship that Jesus is with me and Jesus is for me. Now, yeah, I, I mean... Jesus really can make businesses successful. Be Jesus can really take complicated situations and make them simple. Often, you know, it's great to pray and expect and anticipate Jesus being in your business, and I'm all for that. But I'm not for the idea that, you know, we found a secret formula for success. I'm all for the idea of you are Lord, and I'm your servant. And, you know, do with my business and do with me, whatever it is that you want. Uh, Peter has this profound uh, moment here where it's not about the fish anymore. Uh, I mean, everything in him is like, okay, I am, instead of feeling like, okay, I'm just going to go put my hand around Jesus' shoulder and, and be his best buddy because, you know, he's my ticket to the future. The exact opposite happens. Peter finds that he's recoiled not because of any problem with Jesus. It's like the spotlight, the floodlight is shining from Jesus onto Peter. And Peter is starting to realize that he's like not that perfect, that he's a little bit of a wreck. And this light of Jesus is like illuminating his sin, his character flaws, his unworthiness, his doubts about who Jesus was. Uh, and all of a sudden he's feeling rather inadequate. Friends, that's a total normal religious experience when you get close to the living God. You will feel overwhelmed, inadequate, and loved simultaneously. And that's what was propelling Peter. There was a sense of this Jesus person seems to know me and he seems to be really loving me. He like he cares about me. There's something deep within him that's being uh, like turning him, changing him, shining on him. Uh, Jesus is really uh, wonderful in this way. And the simple faith is what uh, we see here in Luke chapter 5, verse 5, the second part of verse 5. Peter responds this way, and you know, all of us can take a cue from Peter. Peter before I read verse 5, the second part of verse 5, uh, chapter 5, verse 5, 
You know, Peter was the most optimistic, enthusiastic, high-energy guy that we're going to find in the Bible. He's just like, loves life, he's always on the go, he's, you know. And yet, he says this. It's very simple. But if you say so, I will. That's not that complicated. Jesus, if you say so, I, I, I will. I'll, I'll do, I'll go, I'll fish, I'll move, I'll... I'll, I'll, if you say so. And the only question is, is Jesus saying so? And in this case, it was really easy. Jesus is saying so. So if you like filling in the blanks in the sermon outline, that's it. But if you, Jesus, say so, I will do so. You know, that's such a simple uh, response. Or I hate to use the word formula, but... It's such a simple response, and yet sometimes we make it so cloudy and complicated and put so many provisions on it. If we can hear God's voice, if God is speaking to us, sometimes it's a small voice, sometimes it's a quiet voice, but if we determine it's God's voice, if we have pre-decided sometimes that, God, if you say so, I will do so, you'll be amazed at uh, what God will say. I don't think... The challenge is so much that we battle with hearing God say so. I honestly think the challenge we have is doing so. I think God speaks, speaks to us again and again in many different ways, uh, but, but particularly when we're reading and praying. I mean, that combination, uh, God uses. He uses the Word of God. He uses people. Uh, God will speak to us. But, you know, some or other, our yes, Lord, we will do so, I think, is the part which is a problem. Uh, I, I, I think one of the, the answers here is to just say to God, God, look, I'm going to say yes. You know, personally, I, I had a, a, a very, uh, for me, again, profound experience in this. Uh, and again, it's hard in the retelling because it doesn't come across well as opposed to what God is doing in my heart. Uh, I've said many, many times to you that uh, public speaking and preaching wasn't really my thing, and you know God has uh, called me to it, and I've finally managed to turn around and really, okay, now I, this is my thing, and I, I'm enjoying it, and, uh, and I've had to overcome a lot of obstacles. But what I noticed, I've had a pretty serious track record that if every, anybody asked me to do any kind of speaking, my standard answer was pretty easy, pretty predictable. It was no. That's it. Rob, would you like to teach us a, a session? Nope. Uh, we're on a missions trip, and I'm with another group, with another bunch of pastors, and they say, hey, Rob, uh, they, they'd like you to preach at the service. Would you like to do that? Nope, nope, no thank you. Uh, you guys are much better than I am. You'll do a better job. Rob, we're doing a little uh, side session here. Would you like to do that? Nope, no thank you. Uh, that's just always been my standard response. So the Vineyard Movement would ask, Hey, Rob, you know, would you like to be involved? In, uh, no, thank you. There's better qualified people. I mean, you know, use the best and the brightest. Uh, I, I don't need to be in the spotlight. And, and there's always better people. I mean, it's just been my response. And then finally, a year ago, uh, Jesus, like, really got on my case. And he said, okay, I, I want you to say yes. And I did just what you would do. Yes to what? And I didn't feel like Jesus said, I'm going to tell you. 
Just decide. Are you going to say yes or no? And I'm like, okay, I feel like I'm being set up. All right, yes. A reluctant yes, admittedly. Not like, the, like Peter. Yes. I tell you, it's just the weirdest thing. It was like a week later, I get a phone call from Spain. Like, these aren't people that I'm, a circle that I'm connected with. When we go to Spain, I always go to the southern part of Spain, uh, that area. I get a phone call from Barcelona, and the phone call is this, hey, we've got the Spain partnership, uh, all the Spanish churches in there, will you be a speaker at the main conference? And I'm like, no, yes, 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 just really excited you called me, I can't wait, you know. Right? Because God had to work with me. It's like, okay, Rob, your answer is going to be yes. You know, I go on this vacation a month ago. I'm going to Megan's church. I meet with the pastor. He says, hey, how about you preach Sunday? And I'm like, okay, I'm like on vacation, uh, having time off, uh, resting. No, yes, I'd love to preach. Like, couldn't think of anything better to do on Sunday. What a great idea. Let's preach, you know. But I've got to tell you that. The, uh, the other side of that is, I'm, I'm so glad I said yes. Just so glad I said yes. And the other part is this, God hasn't overwhelmed me. He hasn't sent me like a request every week where I just like can't handle it. He's given me just the right request and just the right topic. You know, when the guy in Spain asked me to speak, he had a very, very, very narrow topic. And I thought, what, what a strange topic. He's, he said, Rob, this is what I want you to preach on. I want you to preach on responding to the prophetic. Okay, not do you believe in the prophetic, not how does the prophetic work. Okay, how do you respond to the prophetic? Now that's a narrow topic. And I said, great, uh, I'd love to talk about responding to the prophetic. It's my favorite topic, whatever. You know, I mean, it's just, you know, God just said, yes, say yes. So for some of you, you might be like me. You, you, you I don't know, reluctant or you lack faith or you whatever. God might just be saying, pre-decide that you're going to say yes. When you hear God's voice, your answer needs to be yes. And then it's up to God to like speak. And I tell you, he will speak. Uh, it's, it's, it's quite a fun thing. So uh, I'm going to have uh, Alan Biggers come on up. Uh, and Alan, thanks for being willing to share. And ask Alan the same thing. Could you share a... A turning point or two? I've always been in the church. I've always been part of all of the activities that I could. And um, when I was nine years old, I was living in California, and I went to a camp, and it was called Heartland. And on probably the last, the, one of the last days, I was in worship. And it was probably one of the first times that I was actually, like, worshiping God instead of just, you know, just, like, singing along. And, um and I was in the very back, and we were in a tent. And um, it only opened on the sides. And I was as back as I could, so that because I like to raise my hands in worship, and people would complain. And um, and um, I was just singing this song, and I was there, and I just had my hands up, and I was praising God, and I felt a hand on my shoulder. And I was like, oh, it's probably like my counselor or whatever. And um, I turn around, and there's no one there. And so I had a physical just place with God. And at that point I knew. I knew I knew God was real. 
and that was my turning point. Like I knew, like you know, the stories that you know Jesus was raised and whatever, and that he say he, you know, he died for my sins, and um. And at that point, I knew that it wasn't just the story anymore. It was it was it was my own personal faith. And so, after that, it was just kind of like I was always really curious. And um, as my dad could probably tell you, almost every night I would ask him about um, spiritual gifts, and because I knew those were a thing, and I I I really I really wanted. I really wanted gifts. I wanted I wanted something to, you know, I felt like I needed like I owed God something. Like I wanted to give back to him. And so that's a, still my one like desire is gifts. And um at my first year of Project Timothy, I went and just again, it was just the best worship I had heard and been in because it was not only not only was it like awesome worship and live, it was my peers. And I was like, that's I, I need to do something like this. And so that was my turning point towards ministry and towards Christ. And being only like 14 at the time, um, it's it was nice to know that God already had something planned in my life and that I wasn't going to have to go and like, oh, is God going to do anything for me? And I knew from then that was just, it was two years ago. And I'm I'm ready. I'm pumped. And so, yeah, that's... My turning point. Thanks, Dylan. So often, uh, God will uh, use us in different places uh, to speak to us. Uh, one of the times God uses us is when we battling failure. And so, you know, here's Peter. He's been fishing, and I, you know, I think the Lord allowed him to fail because he was setting him up. And if Peter the previous night had caught a whole bunch of fish, uh, then what Jesus did wouldn't have been that spectacular. Uh, it, but Peter went fishing the night before and caught absolutely nothing. He was staring, you know, a failure in the face. But what God does in Peter's life, and he does in your life, and he does in my life, often he takes the hard times in life, the failures, and he uses those as teachable moments. And uh, so, if you, again, if you're filling in the blank, uh, failure gives faith an opportunity. And we see that in verse 5. Master, Simon replied, we worked hard all night. And didn't catch a thing. Uh, you could say, Jesus, uh, I'm a complete failure. Jesus, I've tried. It didn't work out, which is what Peter's saying. Or you can say, you know, I tried my best. I gave it all I had. Uh, and the results have been miserable. But one way or another, uh, Peter uh, gets the chance to say to Jesus, look, I, you know, I failed. And what you're suggesting honestly, is a little ludicrous. But, and then the rest is history. So, you know, you might be in a situation where you're struggling, you're failing, you've tried. You, instead of giving up on God, uh, allow this to be a teachable moment. Allow this to be the moment when God uh, works in your faith, works your faith, uh, builds your faith, uh, where Besides what you can do, God does it all. It's not your strength, your smarts, your money, 
your connections is God. Uh, th that's a great place when God comes through. And uh, if you, in that situation, just say, okay, God, uh, I'm going to just uh, give it to you and leave it with you. Let me do a, a, a quick spiritual exercise with you, if you will. You don't, don't feel obligated to uh, do this exercise with me. Uh, but if you're willing to, uh, this is what I want to do. Uh, close your eyes and think about tomorrow. Tomorrow is Monday. Uh, we're not in church uh, for 90% of you. Uh, think about uh, what your day might be like tomorrow at like 10 o'clock. I'm just picking a random uh, time in the day. Uh, and what do you think you would be liking to get done? What do you think 10 o'clock would be like tomorrow? Uh, what are the things that are on your heart to do? And uh, you, okay, you, 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 you're ready to get this stuff done. Now, kind of picture like something goes wrong. And the situation has totally changed. The very thing that you thought you were going to do, the way you thought your day was going to look, is just, it's just like throw it out the window. Now you've got a, another crisis that you weren't particularly expecting, you weren't, uh, you're not desiring. It, all of a sudden now you have to drop everything and deal with this, this issue that you got. Picture now that, say, Jesus comes into the room, wherever you are, whether you're in the office or in your car or at home or outside, and Jesus comes in and Jesus is smiling. He doesn't seem all, at all stressed about your problem. And Jesus has got some simple instructions for you. He's going to tell you to do something. And you're just listening, and, and Jesus says, okay, this is what I want you to do. Okay, that's it. That's, that's the exercise. Now you're saying, well, what is Jesus going to tell me? All right. Let me just ask you this question. Now, you don't, I'm not asking you to make this stuff up, but when you were, like, picturing your tomorrow and Jesus comes into the scene. Was that, like, did you experience some peace? Did you feel like, okay, I've I got some comfort. Jesus is here. He's with me. Did you experience absolutely nothing? That's okay, too. Uh, were you like, Rob, this is so crazy. I can't even track with you. That's okay, too. But here's what I think is going to happen. I think that some of you experienced God's love and peace, even though that was just a, you know, like a, a non-real situation. It's tomorrow. Here's another thing I think is a good chance it's going to happen. One or two of you, you're going to have a day like that tomorrow. And you say, Jay, I just, okay. This is what Rob told us to do. He's like, can we just, let me just close my eyes and let me just ask for Jesus. Jesus, I, I need you to help. I need you to speak. I need your direction. And... Uh, if that happens, uh, let me know. Send me an email. Uh, I'd, I'd be, be curious. But the point of, of what I was trying to get at there is 
do we have the ability to just very simply say yes to Jesus? Now, for some of you, because either Jesus is working you or you like just creative type people, uh, as we're even doing that little exercise, you felt like Jesus actually said something to you, like it actually gave you a, a direction. And I, I would encourage you to just respond to that. If, if you were one of the few lucky ones that you felt like, okay, I, I felt like God was doing something here, I, I would just encourage you to respond to that. Uh, respond to Jesus. Say yes, if, it's, if you think it's the Lord. It, it, let me just end this way. You know, when Jesus was in this boat with Peter, it, it's kind of an interesting ge geography. It's kind of interesting geographically what this part of the uh, Sea of Galilee looked like because there would be inlets uh, and there would be uh, li like sandy beach or area with 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 uh, um, you know like a, a f I won't say a fjord because that's way too extreme but a raised uh, elevation it's not just flat is what I'm trying to get at and so when Jesus is in the boat with Peter it's like a natural amphitheater and all of us here in New England experience times on lakes and we know how sound travels on a lake. So when Jesus is sitting in the boat with Peter and he's talking, you know from sitting on a lake, especially like in the early morning or late evening when the wind is, you know, not blowing, it's kind of quiet, sound travels. I mean, it's like clearer than if you're on some field somewhere. So everything that Jesus is saying, like a huge crowd can hear. Now here's the point that I want to make about this. Jesus says something really personal and embarrassing to Peter. Because he's speaking something privately, in a sense, to Peter. Peter's response is, hey, I've been fishing all night. It just like didn't work out. It's like this is private conversation. But everybody's in on it. It's not like a private conversation. And Peter responds. And he does what Jesus does says he should do. And then what does Peter do? He falls. He gets down on his knees. He's like, God, Lord, get away from me. I'm like, I'm a sinner. I say all this for this very reason. There's something mysterious about a public uh, expression of faith. You can sit in front of your living room and you can listen to a good TV preacher, and that preacher can tell you, like, you need to repent and be saved, and you say, yes, Jesus, amen, I confess my sins, and I am going to follow you. And you do that in your living room, and you walk out of your front lawn, and the first thing that comes across your way, you just like, your faith is just like, who knows where. It's great when you're in the living room, and there's nothing going, out, going on. And it, now, there's something about public expression of faith that I, that's just the way Jesus has made it. There's something about Peter when he's willing to say publicly, I'm a sinner, where everybody's watching, and it's embarrassing, and it's humiliating, and it's like, I don't want to do that. But you know what? When Jesus is so attractive to you, when this is such a good thing, you don't really care what other people say. You want to get right with Jesus. You want to experience the goodness of what God has got for you. 
And Jesus does this in baptism. You know, baptism is a public declaration. Jesus got baptized publicly. You know, it wasn't like, oh, I'm embarrassed, you know, I'm the son of God, and I just, you know, this is kind of overwhelming, I don't want everybody to know this, you know, just let me go in the wilderness. No, I mean, it's a public thing, and disciples got baptized publicly because it's an expression of your faith. Now, on a regular basis, we expect people to respond to what God is doing in their lives. Whether it be, you know, Kevin comes up and says, hey, I've got something to say and I, I want you to uh, respond. Uh, and occasionally, like I'm going to do right now, I'm going to ask you this question. Do you not know Christ and you want to know Christ? I, I would, I'm encouraging you to just stand up. I just want to give, like, God a chance. I mean, I mean, we know most of the people in the room, but you might be the person that's here today and you just have an encounter with Jesus and you feel like God is stirring something in you and you haven't settled this with Christ uh, I just want to give you the opportunity to stand I mean like right now in front of everybody uh, and say yes Jesus this is what I want okay I mean you know if there's nobody here it's not a big deal I'm just I, I just like feel like part of our church culture is we need to have that opportunity. And again, I mean, last call, you're like, Rob, I don't fully understand. If you're saying yes to Jesus, I don't know him. I haven't, I just encourage you to stand. Look, I'm going to do this again when it comes to baptism. You know, we do it most in the spring. Who wants to get baptized? Kevin's going to do it on a weekly basis. He'll say things and say, does that respond to anybody? I just want to say this. When you say, when Kevin says, okay, I've had this Word from the Lord. Is anybody else out there in the church? Does that resonate? And you say yes. There's an infusion of faith that happens. It's more powerful than if you just quietly, secretly come up after and say, Kevin, by the way, that actually was me. Well, that's still good. You're going to get prayer. But it's like you're getting 20% of the power. I mean, I don't understand the mechanics of it. I'm just telling you. When you enthusiastically say yes to Jesus, it's more powerful than when you just like, it's just, it's just the way it is. Okay, so we're going to have worship. Come on, stand up. One, we have the worship team. Come on up. Um, I want to close with this uh, scripture verse. Psalm 89 says, I will sing of the Lord's unfailing love forever. Young and old will hear of your faithfulness. I will sing of the Lord's unfailing love forever. You see, this is a decision in advance that, Jesus, that David has made. I will say yes to God. This is not complicated. This is simple. I'm going to say yes to God, and I'm going to decide in advance that I'm going to sing of God's unfailing love forever, forever, be young or old. Bless you guys. Great uh, seeing you all here today.